Coming up on the Men at the Movies podcast, I talk with Troy and Stacy Hooker about the Bourne identity. This movie reveals two of our greatest desires, to discover who we are and to be really good at something. And even though Jason couldn't remember his past, his actions revealed his true identity. If we stay here, we die. Join me on the journey as we discover God's truth in this movie. The movies and stories we love are gateways to see ourselves and God in new ways. Every great story borrows its power from a larger story, the story that's written on our hearts and woven into the fabric of our very being. Hello and welcome to the Minute the Movies podcast. My name is Paul McDonald and joining me from probably not the UP, but up in Michigan, it's up from me, is Troy and Stacy Hooker. Hey guys, how are you doing today? Hello. Good, we're doing great. Um, we're in the lower peninsula. We're actually considered trolls, is what they call us. <laughs> they do, because we're below Wait, the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, who's they? <laughs> well, so when, because you've got the UP, the upper peninsula, yeah. and then the lower peninsula, and so there's a bridge that connects the two, and so the upper peninsula people, they, they're called the Upers. they call us the trolls because we live below the bridge. <laughs> that is uh, awesome, and um, I'd have to move. I, <laughs> I was like, I can't be a troll. <laughs> I mean, but I wouldn't want to be a Uper either. That's a, that's a terrible name. <laughs> you guys need to work on coming up. I mean, you're you're creative people. Come up with a better name for the Upers. Yep. <laughs> the real question is, have you ever had a pasty? And and if not, then you have to travel to the UP and try one because mm-hmm. they're amazing. You don't want a yeah. troll pasty. It has to be a UP pasty. That's right. That's I right. I I do think that. Yeah, you don't want one from the Lower Peninsula. <laughs> <laughs> so what's a pasty then? Well, if you imagine kind of like, um, it's basically a handheld. Well, what it was is the um, the miners would take them um, for, uh, it was basically a handheld, um, something they could eat for lunch. Um, but it's basically uh, stew that could be handheld, but so it was in like a pie crust. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you kind of imagine like a pot pie in a way, um, but it's like a stew inside of it. That does sound delicious. Yeah, but it's handheld. It's mm. it's a, kind of like a better hot pocket, I guess, in a way. <laughs> Absolutely, it's like a homemade hot pocket. Yeah. Although yes. I don't know how you can improve on a hot pocket. But it has, yeah, it has things like <laughs> it has like rutabaga. Have you ever heard of what a rutabaga is? I've heard of rutabagas, but I yeah. thought it was just l- sort of uh, one of those mythology names. Nope, they're real. It's kind of <laughs> like a, it's kind of like a cross between a, is it like a carrot and a potato? Carrot and a potato. A cross between oh, a carrot good. and a potato. It's a root vegetable. They're delicious. Nice. They're delicious. <laughs> yeah, you didn't, you didn't think you would have shown up for the men at the movies podcast and you get conversations about uh michigan eating and dining and uh yeah you can't get far with us without talking about food (laughs) (laughs) well so i met you guys through uh i guess if uh if we call alan arnold the pod father sarah would probably have to be the queen of the podcast Mm. um she's she's you know been on it quite a bit and so we met through sarah uh, and you guys met her mm-hmm. through Realm Makers, right? Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Two was, years ago. 
That's right. 2020, 2021, yes, was our first year. It was supposed to be 2020 was our first year, but for obvious reasons. Nobody went in 2020. <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> and, and it was so great. It was so great when we met her, too, because we were just, that was our first year, and we were just nervous and didn't know anybody. And there is this girl, Sarah, that just kind of is so easy going and latches onto us. And we're just like, thank you, you know, for making this easier and breaking the ice for us at Rollmaker. So. And then it was also really funny because she's like, oh, let me introduce you to some other friends we have. Um, It was Josh and Sarah, which was really funny because, you know, I'm introducing myself to them. And so I'm talking to um, Josh and Sarah um, and I'm talking, I'm talking to Sarah. I'm like, so Sarah, tell me about yourself. You know, um, you know, what are you guys doing? They're like, oh, she's like, oh, well, my husband and I own a publishing company. I'm like, oh, that's funny. My my husband and I, you know, we own a publishing company. I'm like, that's weird, you know? And she's like, yeah, you know, my husband's an author. I'm like, oh, my husband's an author. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I own an Etsy shop. And I'm like, oh, I own an Etsy shop. And I'm like, well, that's weird. I'm like, where are you from? She's like, we're from Michigan. I'm like, we're from Michigan. (laughs) This is creepy. Something's wrong here. uh, It's like you met yourselves from the multiverse. Yeah, it was was very, very strange and amazing. So now we're all just this group of friends. It's pretty awesome. So I'm actually (laughs) trying to schedule Josh for a podcast to talk about Zombieland. Mm. Uh, We were originally going to try to do it last year for around Halloween time, but you know, life happens and he's like, yeah. dude, I have got a lot of stuff going on. Cause I don't think they live in Michigan anymore. There. Yeah. They're just over the border. They, they are youpers. Well, were youpers. They were youpers. They were oh, so they hung out with you guys. You trolls. Well, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so they were trolls with us and then they were youpers and now they've hopped over the border. And then now they're in Wisconsin, just over the border in Wisconsin <laughs> and I told, I keep telling Josh, I'm like, you got to work on that ask, accent, buddy. That accent. Yeah, I know. They get it, that Wisconsin accent going. <laughs> 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 so it's funny that sort of the, the little world that we've lived in or that we sort of, we do live in where you sort of meet somebody who knows somebody and then you're like, oh, wait, there's all these little connections. That's right. Yep. So you guys are, you, you mentioned your, your publishing company. Uh, Descendant Publishing, and what do you guys what do you guys publish? I would guess. I mean, the publishing company started because I wrote young adult fiction fantasy books, and so um, with my first book is kind of when Descendant Publishing started. Mm-hmm. And so we, you know, we do publish basically along those lines of um, fiction, fantasy, young adult. Um, you know, we're going to venture into like the sci-fi world as as well, but we love just the storylines that fiction books bring to people. And so um, me as an author, I kind of, I tend to stay towards like the young adult age range because I I think that's mentally who I connect with the most. (laughs) uh, He's a child. Right. (laughs) I feel like maybe at that age, they're more forgiving as they read my stuff. So yeah, we do. We publish a lot of young adult um, fantasy stuff and uh, we do have one new author and his name is Brian Mitchell. And we're super excited to have him. He wrote a, uh, a new adult book. Um, called Infernal Fall, and uh, this came out. He he basically based it off of the old classic Dante's Inferno, and oh, so wow. he turned 
uh, Dante's Inferno into a modern story, like fiction story, as this this mm-hmm. guy travels through the the levels of hell, and it's really interesting. I mean, we really liked it. So awesome. Um, he's our our author, and we do have potentially another one coming up soon. That's going to be another young adult, yep. and uh, I would probably classify that as a dystopian, yep. maybe a dystopian urban fantasy. Mm-hmm. But um, so yeah, exciting. But we also there's there's something else that we do too. Um, we like to publish our books with the potential for adding a literacy aspect to it. And so with my first book, and it was kind of the pilot program, we actually uh, published a curriculum to go along with it that has a chance for you know parents to to hand to their kids. You can read this really cool book, but. Here's also some vocab and some comprehension questions and some life questions and, you know, different relationship type, you know, situations that they can deal with as they read through the book. And so it's a companion bundle that they get to do. So we have the educational aspect to it as well. Gotcha. Because you're both former teachers, right? Yes. Yes. So, yeah. So that makes sense of sort of joining up your love of fantasy and fiction and teaching as well oh yeah <laughs> so true it's, it's almost like you know god did that <laughs> <laughs> almost <Definitely>. almost right <laughs> so uh you know when when sarah made the pitch to you guys and and troy you you helped sarah with her website as well which is awesome uh forged in film.org and uh and so when she connected us I think this was this was all Troy because Stacy, you don't like action movies. Oh, I movies. hid. Yeah. I hid. <laughs> we talked about that. She's actually she took her microphone. She's in the closet so she doesn't have to be on camera. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what made you pick? You know, the Bourne identity. Not that I mean, it's a great movie. It's one of those that sort of. Um, I think established a, a whole different world that people enjoy getting into. And right. so what, but what triggered it for you that you're like, man, I want to do this one. <clears throat> I'm just going to go have, you know, and start off with honesty and say, you know, I didn't really see God in the movie in the beginning. Mm-hmm. The movie for me has always been my favorite because I don't know. There's this like innate thing that I've always had that I just love the spy world. And I, I can't explain it any other you know way than that, but it fascinated me to see that. And so when I watched the born identity for the first time that, you know, there's all the whole um, aspect, the environment that the movie was filmed in, you know, the soundtrack and all that stuff, it just totally captured me. And it was probably the time in my life too. I think the movie was 2001. Um, 2002. Yeah. Yep. 2002. Yep. Where, you know, that potentially as a career move, I was, you know, maybe thinking, you know, could I be a spy? I could do this. (laughs) (laughs) Such a boy. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But it just, you know, it was one of those movies like I have to have this movie and I have to keep it in DVD form because I'm I have to it has to be accessible to me because I'll watch it over and over again. It's kind of like that Lord of the Rings, you know, or, or Harry Potter or something else that you just you have to keep in your library because it sticks with you. 
really, if I were to point at one specific thing, I couldn't tell you other than the fact I just really thought it was cool. Yeah, there, and I'm trying to think if we've done movies in the past similar style like the spy movie. Well, I think John Wick is probably similar. A guy with a mm. set of skills, you know, high level skills, and uh, you know that makes me think of Taken, which we haven't done on the podcast yet. Hmm. Um, it's a good movie. Little James Bondish, without I think Austin Powers kind of ruined the James Bond franchise. <laughs> You can't oh, yeah. watch any of the originals sure now without picturing nope. Mike Myers. <laughs> <laughs> but there's this idea, right, where he's really, really skilled at something. Mm-hmm. Which I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I've actually had this conversation a few weeks ago with some of my friends. Of, I wish I was as good at something as you guys are. Like, I mean, they're like talking all this stuff. They're software. Some of them are software developers. So they're talking high level stuff. I even have a friend who's, who does garage door, like installs, sales, Mm. that sort of thing. Like he knows his stuff at a very high level. I even have a friend who's a big uh, bourbon drinker. Like he could see the ingredient percentages of the different, you know, um, it's got this much corn, this much barley, this much wheat or rye. And he's like, oh, that's this distillery or this actual specific bourbon. And wow. I'm like, man, I wish I knew anything as much as you know this. Yeah. And I feel that way about Born. of, man, I wish I was a, as good at something as he obviously is at being a spy. Right. Right. I mean, when we watch those other movies, too, like like Taken, like John Wick. Like the Kingsman, right? That's a kind of a cool movie as well, where you've got some, I mean, a little more comic booky, but. Um, so I tend to, I, I don't mind action movies so much. I tend to stay away. I mean, I do enjoy spy type stuff. I really did um, the TV show uh, Alias. Oh, yeah. I loved that TV show. That was a great one. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, and I do love the Bourne mm-hmm. series. Um, but I, I do tend to find myself staying away from, from um, especially more um, modern spy and um, action movies like this one, um, like I said, more modern ones now. That I was telling Troy uh, yesterday, whenever we were rewatching this again, I tend to stay away from. There tends to be a lot of intricacies in it, like a really le- lots of like twists and turns that you really have to pay attention to. That I tend to get lost on, mostly because. I I'm t- I tend to be like knitting or crocheting or doing something else like while I'm watching movies, <laughs> but uh, but also because you know sometimes I'm just not paying attention or those things just kind of go over my head, you know. Yeah. Um, but I do really enjoy this, and it, I told uh, and Troy whenever you know when we were going over you know some of the things that you were we were going to talk about in this interview with you, you know, it was like why do you love this movie? I'm like. 2002 Matt Damon. Heck yeah. <laughs> That's all I right? need. <laughs> I mean, he's gorgeous. <laughs> Especially for this role. You know, he's yeah. he's younger. He's ripped. He's not, we bought a zoo, mm-hmm. Matt Damon. Yeah. Not that that's bad. Or uh, what he was just. And it was very subtle, too. too. It wasn't like dirty or anything. Like it was very subtle. <laughs> and so this this movie, I mean, we're sort of this movie's over 20 years old now. We're assuming if you're listening, you've probably seen it or at least 
possibly have even read the book. I mean, it, yeah. it is based yeah. on a right. on a novel series by Robert Ludlum. Because this one has the, I, I think the, so you've got on the one hand, this guy who's highly skilled. Yeah. He knows stuff. He knows, you know, like that, that scene where he's in the diner. He's like, I know, no, there's, I know the license numbers of all six cars in the parking lot. I know the best place to find a guns in the cab right. of the gray truck. Like he just knows these things sort of mm -hmm. innately. And then his big question is, how do I know these things, but I don't know who I am. Right. That's right. Which I think is a question that we wrestle with hmm. a little bit, maybe. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can, <laughs> there's so many correlations with that. You can, you know, talk about the fact that, you know, we have these set of values inside of us that we don't know. We know where they came from, you know, as Christians, we would know that. But um, someone who maybe isn't a Christian has these thoughts and these feelings and these desires, you know, for, you know, con connectedness or relationship or trust or, you know, just values in general that they don't know where they came from. They just know that they have them. And so I think that's mm. that's part of it as well. Or maybe what they're supposed to do with it, you know. Mm -hmm. That's mm. right. I mean, I think when you when you sort of look at those tensions, mm. one, we, we want to be really good at something. Yeah. Nobody wants to be like super mediocre. Everybody, you know, you you watch the Olympics, so you watch the best of the best or yeah. the the playoffs of sports or even the spelling bee, right? You know, people want to watch the spelling bee to see these kids spell words they have no idea they've never right. heard before. And at the same time, I, I think really it's it's revealing two longings in our hearts. One is to know who mm -hmm. we are, and one is to be actually have this special set mm -hmm. of skills to do something awesome and amazing and and in a very much more practical sense, even just make it through right. our day. Like it'd be nice to know how to, <laughs> how to fix the computer so that it works oh right. right Stacey? <laughs> it'd be great to, if we could figure out how to take a book that's ready to publish and put it in an ebook oh, format seamlessly. Hitting the nail on the head a little too. <laughs> <laughs> a little too close to home. You're pressing <laughs> buttons. <laughs> but we, but we desire that level of yes. competence that he shows as well as the desire to know our identity. Right. right. Um, and I think that that when we uncover those sort of truths, the movie gets super yes, interesting, even more than it already is, because it is a fantastic yeah. story. Because it's 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 a story. You know, the good stories are the ones that you want to know what happens mm -hmm. next. Mm -hmm. And this is, you know, I think even if you're watching it, you're like, wait, is is he really? Did he really have amnesia? Did he really right. forget? I wonder even how like Robert Ludlum, when he was writing the story, you know, me being an author, when he was writing the story, did he have some of these things in his mind too, that were, you know, talking about identity and being really good at something. And, you know, you, you just brought up that point and I've often looked at like the Olympics and I've looked at these gymnasts or, you know, anybody in the Olympics and, and said, wow, they're amazing. But me personally, part of it is this maybe like a part of a regret, maybe that I haven't stuck to one thing in my life and gotten really good at it. Mm. Uh, so much so that, you know, 
I like various things and I'm mediocre, like you said, at various things. <laughs> whoa, whoa. I didn't say right. that you were mediocre <laughs> at a lot of things. I just want to put that in clear. <laughs> no, no, calling no us all out here. It sure is. It sure is. <laughs> is this an intervention? We thought this was an interview. <laughs> Sarah's going to pop up here. In a <laughs> but no, he like... Um, he's got all these skills and, and maybe that's one of the reasons too, why I liked uh, the movie so much is I've always wanted to be good at that one thing, just incredibly good that everyone could look at me. And that that's where pride probably comes in. And, you know, and everyone can look at me and say, wow, he's good at that. That's really cool. It's super funny to me because we always sort of uncover these things as we talk that we didn't talk about in the prep. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so true. But that is like, even as we're like, I'm sitting here thinking about this idea that like, yeah, I want to be amazing at something. And you brought up the pride, mm -hmm. which again, I think is a, is a, a thoughts flooding my brain that can't come out fast <laughs> enough. So there's this sense that it could be prideful, right? That we want to do something to sort of crow in our own glory and look how awesome I am. But if you you go back to that idea of being children of God, and and I think about my kids, like there's nothing prideful that for them to say, hey, look at this picture I just drew. Right. And how does, as a father, how would I respond? But then even as our as we're living our lives, how would God respond? You know, to say, how would it feel like to take what we sort of feel are afraid we might know it's sort of mediocre, but God to say, wow, that's awesome. And put it up on the fridge in heaven. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And, and I look at Matt Damon too, as an actor in the the movie and, He's not um, like your typical, if you were to look at him, he's, he doesn't look like your typical spy. He just, he's a nice guy. You can tell he's a guy that I want to be friends with. He's just, in in a lot of ways, maybe like I used to be or what, you know, what I was growing up is just this nice guy. And, but there's this other side to him, you know, like he has these underlying set of skills that, um, you know, that he kind of has kept hidden for so long and, and now they're starting to come out again. But, uh, um, you know, maybe it is based on pride and the fact that, you know, I want that. I want to be able to do something like that and maybe not show it to the world, but have it there so that um, if the world ever <laughs> asked me about it, then I could show it to him. You know, I, whatever it might be, whatever it looks like. So. Well, I don't know. You're bringing up a really good, like I'm seeing this this dynamic in my in my head of when our desire is fueled, motivated by hmm. pride, our desire to glorify ourselves, then we do end up doing things that we wouldn't ordinarily do. It's true, right? You end up being Matt Damon before the or. <laughs> Not Matt Damon. You end up being Jason Bourne before Wombosi's boat, yeah. where you're killing. You know, as as I, I told you guys, I watched the second one last weekend with my son as well. And you, you to get a continuation of the story, 
you kill these this couple in in uh, Berlin mm-hmm. because you were told right. because hey this is your moment this is our time to prove yeah. ourselves versus what we see with his interactions with Marie and I'm going to throw it to you Stacy oh. here in a minute to with your favorite scene <laughs> but what he, because yeah there's this aspect that he is a really nice guy but the world doesn't always need a really nice guy right. Especially when we've got an enemy, and we'll talk about him in the form of Conklin here, probably towards the end. Mm. But what we see with Marie, you know, he is dangerous. Jason Bourne's a dangerous man. But he's never once dangerous to Marie. He's actually dangerous to the people who are trying to get her, right? In that scene in the car where he's like, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to do the right thing. And it's weird that she throws out nobody nobody does does the right thing. thing. That's a killer phrase right there from the movie. You're right. But your favorite scene was when they sort of get get busted. They're out on the town. I think they were investigating the morgue. And they go back to where they're they were staying and the cops are are flooded and they see on the news that Jason Bourne is a is a wanted killer. He is a dangerous mm-hmm. man, right? She sees it there on TV. She freaks out. Because there's that tension of, oh, I thought you were a nice guy. And then even in his apartment, he kills somebody. He's still protecting her. And I'm not trying to promote any sort of misogynistic, you know, protector stereotype. But this idea of being dangerous for what purpose, for what reason. And then talking about specifically that scene with you, Stacey, why did that scene where she's sort of wrestling with that tension. Why did that one, why is that one one of your favorite scenes? At this point, you know, she's, conf- she's actually just straight up confronted with the fact, you know, uh, we know, we know up to this point, she's been wrestling with the idea that, you know, he's dangerous, right? She's probably mm-hmm. even, you know, wrestled with the idea that he could be an assassin, right? I mean, what other reason would he have had to, you know, kill another assassin in his apartment. She's had to be wrestling with that before, but now at this point, she's confronted with the actual, like, fact, right? Not only are they after him, they're now after her. I mean, she's also, again, she's known this before, but now, like, it's clear as day, right? And so now she's like, I can't do this. Right. I want to leave. I want to go. And for me, like, you know, we're, we're like looking at this, you know, in like, you know, how does this, you know, relate and it's kind of like a devotional type of like, you know, spiritually sense. And I'm like sitting there looking at this going, you know, he grabs her and he looks her in the eyes and says, if we stay here, we die. And I literally just thought how, I mean, if we stay in our sin, you die, you know, you're just, you're, you stay there, you're dead. And then, and then like, and how she needed him, a partner to remind her of that, to just look her in the face and say, you stay here and you die. We have to keep going. You had, you had talked earlier too about um, the parable of the the seed. Right. Right. You know, if, you know, as a new Christian too, that if we 
stay where we're at. Let's say we we come to Christ and we mm-hmm. um, we're on this new journey to follow Jesus, and you can stop there. You know, you can be redeemed, right. and you can be this new Christian. And um, yes, you may have this new set of values. Yes, you have the Holy Spirit in you, but you're also have this option to grow in your faith. And right. when you stay right. where you're at, right. you're well, not growing. Yeah, what we were saying is what we always hear, and, you know, we worked with teens a lot, and what you hear a lot, you know, especially around teens a lot, is the come as you are, right? You hear it, yeah. come as you are, come as you are, and I love it. Please, 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 please come as you are, but you can't stay there. You know, we have to grow once, once you come Mm. and once, you know, you, you got to commit and then we have to grow, then we have to start to grow. And I think that's where the making disciples and stuff has to come. And so is that's where, I don't know, that's just that, that whole, like you stay here, you die kind of, you know, we've started running, we've started running from our past. Now we have to continue the push. You know, and that's like he said, it was the um, the seed, you know, being choked out by the sun and the thorns and stuff like that. You know, we have to we have to get to the good soil. And I'm, I've been over here taking all kinds of notes because <laughs> like you guys are triggering thoughts and stuff and it's super cool. <laughs> and, and that's what's fun about this is to see things like like, you know, we've spent some time over the last couple of weeks prepping for this, talking yeah. about it. It's, but that idea, like, like I loved how you you brought out Troy that that connection. Like, it's not just if we stay in our mm-hmm. sin we die, but even we have to grow in our faith. Yeah. You know, going back to the the parable yeah. of the soils is like, yeah, we can't, we can, I guess we can get choked out. We can, you know, the the seeds sort of die, but we do want to cultivate a heart that becomes right. good soil. And then you were talking about that come as you are, but you can't stay as mm-hmm. you are. And it's not a okay. You're here now. Let's get you no, cleaned no, no. up. And, and all I this. don't mean that. But if anyone listening, it's not. It's not what I mean at all. <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. So okay. So what do you mean? Oh, it's so hard to explain. It's just. <laughs> <sighs> I think. Help me out here. <laughs> Help me out here because it's so hard to explain. No, I, I do <laughs> understand. Um, I think one of the things that would be a good analogy or a, a good portrait of what she means by that is the fact that, um, you know, we'd, we'd have chapel every week at this Christian school that mm-hmm. we taught at. Uh, and we'd have a new pastor there, a new preacher there um, to, um, to preach to the kids. And oftentimes there wasn't really a topic presented. It was, you know, kind of led by the spirit. It was, you know, if you would like to um, say this, um, you can, but you know, there's really no limitations. And so we'd have a, a lot of, of pastors that would get up there and they, and they talk to the kids and it was awesome. They did amazing, you know, all the time. Um, but they would always present it from this, this perspective of, you know, a starting point, starting where you are, you're at mm, no, and no, never no a growth mindset. And so this come as you are. Um, has to be coupled. I, I feel like it has to be coupled with come as you are, but you can't stay here. You have to keep moving in your faith. Mm-hmm. Once you make this decision, it's a whole life change, you know, and um, 
it's this life is not perfect and you're going to have to learn how to deal with some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, now that you're on the run from the enemy, you are dealing spiritual with warfare. That's yes. where the spiritual warfare comes in. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's, you got to keep moving your feet to keep going. Right. Um, you know, cause your sin's going to come after you <laughs> just like in this movie, you're, <laughs> you know, right. is your sins of the, the enemy is going to keep chasing you down and it's going to catch you and it's going to drag you down. I mean, let's talk about, I'll, okay, we'll talk about my personal thing, like would be probably anger issues. Deal with a lot of anger issues. Anger drags me down a lot. So I have to constantly deal with that. If I stay where I am, if I am not constantly in my Bible, constantly praying, that anger is going to grab me down and is going to pull me down continuously if I'm staying where I am and not continuing to move forward with my walk with the Lord. So if I stay here, I'm going to die. What I'm seeing, what I'm hearing is this idea you can't stay here. And, and that's what we see with Bourne, yeah. right? We can't stay here. He's never, he never stays at one place. But as he's going, his pursuit is not revenge. It's no. not even to hide. It's to discover who he is. Mm-hmm. And that's the purpose of these things. And, and what we see, you know, in that, in that scene with, with the, the hotel and the, the news thing where she's like, oh, Boren's an assassin. Sometimes it does take some sort of reality challenging mm-hmm. event to make us grow. Right. Because she was sort of happy being on the run with this dude. She thinks she's like, oh, you're, you know, nobody does the right, right thing. Well, well, he is. And he offers her she, that scene where he goes, tells her to go to the police. Right. And she's like, no, she would rather stay with him and she's helping him. So she's, they've latched on together. And, and to a point, like at that moment, they're kind of comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like a buddy cop movie right. for, for about 10 minutes. And then that happens where it sort of shakes her reality. Just like when she sees him kill, kill that, the assassin yeah. in the apartment. Yep. And it does take those reality shaking events sometime to get us out of that comfortable mm. spot where we want to stay. No, I kind of like gallivanting across Europe with Matt Damon. <laughs> Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Right? <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up for all of that. <laughs> no, I, I really appreciated that scene too, because um, it, it kind of shows like, you know, this relationship as it's developing, you know, Matt Damon or Jason Bourne at this point, he is he knows what they have to do and that's that means not stay there they cannot go to the police at this point it is it is not the time to do that and he knows for her that what she and her decision to go to the police is going to you know result in and so he is trying so hard to protect her against what the possibilities could happen you know if she were to choose that path that she was going to go down um, to the point where it's this kind of like this tense scene between the two where he actually throws her up against the wall and is like, no, you are not going to do this. And it's this like intervention moment where um, he is coming into her life and saying, you're making a bad decision. I am going to save you from that. 
holy cow, you know, how many times as, you know, Christians have we had friendships where, you know, and I, I hope that everyone can have that friendship that, you know, you're going down the wrong path, friend, and I'm stepping in to stop you from doing this. Please do not. And it doesn't matter what you think. I know what's best because maybe God's working through me or, you know, maybe I just have that innate spirit. Um, but have that friend that's like, you know what, I'm pulling you out of this thing. How awesome is that relationship right there? And I just, I like that scene too. I thought it was really cool. Like that whole purpose, you know, the, the, the movie Bourne's discovering who mm-hmm. he is, which was some other, another sort of thought I, as you guys were talking, I was like, I got to write this down. That's what I like people talking. I was like, Oh, I got to write this down. Cause <laughs> otherwise I forget. ADD. It's, it's rough. <laughs> but it was interesting because Bourne spent the whole movie trying to find out, figure out yeah. who he was. Mm-hmm. I don't know who I am. Like he even he doesn't know his name, but he's learned it. Oh, I'm this yeah. guy. And then, you know, he's got six different passports with six different names. Which one am I? And the interesting thing is like he's struggling for his identity, but that wasn't his identity mm-hmm. anymore. Like he was already, you know, to use our, our Christian terms, he was already a new creation. Yeah. yeah. Like Marie knew more of who he is and is becoming because what he was didn't really matter. Yeah. Who he was didn't matter. Wow. Yeah. And he spent all this time trying to figure out who he was but who he is, who he is in that present moment, was actually shining through as a protector, as a uh, someone who's dangerous mm-hmm. for good, as a good man. Hmm. Right. I think it's interesting too that it, it you know it's Marie that sees that good side in him. You know, yeah, I know you're an assassin, and you could kill me you know, 15 different ways right now, <laughs> but I also trust you and I'm placing my life in your hands. Wow. You know, that's a, that's quite a picture. She saw through something to see the good side of him. And, um, actually th- there's another scene that comes to mind too. And it's when they're at, um, Marie's brother's house and he's out there. He's, he's been playing with the kids for a while, but they go to sleep at night and she wakes up he's been sleeping on the floor he look she looks over and sees him that he's gone and uh he's she goes and looks for him and he's in the kids room and he's just standing there watching them sleep and she's like you can't be here what are you doing in here you know why are you in here watching these kids and and he pulls away from her he's like i, I can't you know i don't know there's something about this that you know, I can't pull myself away from, and these kids are, I don't want anything to happen to these kids. I don't want to know who I was anymore. You know, there, there's a, mm. a new path ahead of me now, and I'm going to follow that path because this is what, and those kids, honestly, um, the same scene with Wambosi on the boat is what stopped him you know, from killing Wambosi in the right. first place. And uh, so it's interesting to see, like, Ludlum's use of, you know, like the kids that jars himself away from 
his former life and his, you know, his life as an assassin. But how cool was that scene? He just like, I want to protect these kids and and this is going to be my new mission now. No longer do I want to be a part of this old mission. I I know what it does to me. And this new mission I have is 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 protecting others and caring about others. Stacy, you had mentioned the idea of spiritual mm-hmm. warfare. And you know, as with all these movies, the uber secret uh, sinister government organization is the enemy is the true enemy here um as these movies tend to reflect so conklin's the head of treadstone which is the black ops assassination group that jason bourne had been a part of and through you know his super spy amazing skills there's this confrontation between them towards the end of the movie where jason bourne saying no, what are you leave me alone basically? Why are you doing this? And his and Conklin's reaction and responses and the things that he says to Jason are very similar to what the enemy will tell us. Mm-hmm. It's like, "Oh no, you think you're this changed person? You think you're this new creation? No, I know what oh, you've done." Yeah. Mhm. Yeah, um, Conklin basically just goes into, I mean, uh, a buzz, kind of a buzzword that we hear a lot today, kind of like a a victim shaming, I guess you could say, (laughs) Um, (laughs) where he's basically just like telling Jason, like, no, you, you don't get to tell me these things. You, you I, one of the, the one phrase that stuck out to me, I mean, he says a lot of different things, but the one thing that really stuck out to me was this is unacceptable soldier because he knows that's going to press a button, mm. right. For, for Jason Bourne, because at this point, um, Jason Bourne's having this flashback. He's starting to remember who mm. he is and these things are, it's, it's triggering in his mind who he is, what he's done you know, and now it's all coming back to him. So, and it's just, I just thought it was interesting because it was just like, wow, like how often do we like, when we're dealing with our spiritual, you know, warfare battles, you know, our internal stuff, like how often do we sit here and here's like, you know, our demons like squaring us up and going like, you are worthless. You are, you know, you've done all these horrible things. You cannot be loved. You suck, <laughs> you know, and yeah. you were worthless. But Jason Bourne, you know, basically just, you know, toes up to him, beats the crap out of him <laughs> <laughs> and says, you know, I will hunt you down. And like, and I, I you know, I told Troy, I said, you know, um, it's like in, in the in the words of J- Jennifer Connelly, you have no power over me. <laughs> and yeah. he's just like that's it you're done you don't get a say in what i am gonna do because i am a new person that is not me anymore and it is done and then he rides some guy's dead body down a stair banister <laughs> and shoots up everybody else and walks out like the cool guy <laughs> Yeah, that was one I had to say I had to tell my son. I was like, "Yeah, that's not real. That's he would he would be super." <laughs> oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't care if he's riding the court. Yeah. Yep. I, I think um, it was funny because uh, I was telling my parents. I said, "You know, we're going to do this podcast, and and it's really cool an interview about 
you know, men at the movies. And, and they said, oh, that's really neat. What movie did you choose? And I said, well, The Born Identity. It's always been my favorite. And there was this awkward pause, kind of like, where are you going to get a spiritual aspect out of that? <laughs> and, and, you know, I had to go through and, and talk about some of the things we were just going to discuss today. Um, but, you know, for a lot of us, it's like, how can you get God out of a, a movie like this? And with all the violence and stuff that was happening. But, um, you know, I, it's another one of those things where you can see it, it's how your eyes, your perspective is is trained on everything as a Christian. It should be from a foundation and from a perspective of God. You know, you see God in almost everything around you. And and that includes, you know, movies like Jason Bourne. It may not have all the, you know, the best stuff in it, but, um, you know, there is aspects and virtues and, and values that that are from the creator, from God in there. Yeah, and I mean, we even sort of toyed around with this idea of looking at this story as Jason Bourne as that moment on the boat as the moment like you could compare it, parallel mm. it to becoming a Christian. Yeah. Like the, you know, he's that's the moment of his conversion, yeah. right? Of his repentance, of his turning away from his old life to mm -hmm. a new life. He's like, I'm not going to do this anymore. And so then you see him trying to figure out who he is because for somebody who sort of comes into relationship with Jesus, they're like, oh, I know who I was, but I don't know who I am. Right. And especially when then you've got friends for who may be from from the who know your your ugly yes. past, your ugly history, or and some of your ugly present. Right. That's right. <laughs> and they remind you. You know, I I I loved how you threw that in there, Stacy, how he the the Conklin, the enemy, said, this is unacceptable soldier. He was reverting to an authority structure. Yeah. Yeah, and the enemy will do that to us. They'll say, no, you're, you're garbage. You need to, you know, oh, you think you're going to give up porn? Whatever. Mm -hmm. Oh, you think you're going to not be angry anymore? Mm -hmm. Whatever. Like, get in. This is unacceptable. You are, this is who yeah. you are. And what we see with with born is that what you just what you said you have no power over me that authority worked be when i was listening to you when i was part of that yeah. team but as believers we satan has no more authority over mm -hmm. us sin has no more authority over us like jesus has been given all authority i'm actually going to play that clip because i think it is powerful towards the end of the movie where he is where he remembers, Jason remembers his past, Conklin sees that he remembers, but then you see Jason taking the authority that is now his, and in a lot of ways is now yeah. ours through Christ. Right. No, you do remember, don't you? I don't want to do this anymore. I don't think that's a decision you can make. Jason Bourne is dead. You hear me? He drowned two weeks ago. You're gonna go tell him that Jason Bourne is dead. You understand? Where are you gonna go? I swear to God, if I even feel somebody behind me, there is no measure to how fast and how hard I will bring this fight to your doorstep. I'm on my own side now. 
right? That old me yeah. is mm -hmm. dead. That guy doesn't exist. That girl doesn't exist. Even I'm on my own side now is reminds me of the, the angel of the Lord who talked to Joshua, you know, before they went to Jericho oh. and he showed Joshua sitting there and the angel comes up and he's like, Oh, are you for us or for the enemies? It's like, I'm on no one's side, but my own. Right, right. <laughs> and so which side are we going to, who are we going to align our, our lives with? One of the things too, about that scene that I really liked, um, and, uh, it wasn't in the clip, but he says, you're a malfunctioning $30 million weapon, <laughs> which says mm -hmm. a lot to me. And it, it, it kind of reminds me of the fact that, you know, Satan is on this earth and he is pouring a lot of time and effort into destroying mankind, humankind. And he's going to do, he's going to pour himself, his time, money, efforts into destroying whatever he can destroy. And he's not going to stop. You know, we have to make that conscious decision every moment of every day that we're going to live for God, not for the things of this world, not for um, this other entity that wants a piece of who I am. And, you know, it's, it's an internal struggle that we have the rest of our lives. Unfortunately, um, you know, every person goes through it. Every Christian that wants to get away from their past, you know, no matter what that past looks like, killing people, you know, whatever that is, they have this conscious everyday struggle to do things a different way. And that way is, is, you know, based on Jesus's path. Yeah. And there, even though, and we'll see, you know, we see both in the next movie as well as sort of the, the end clip that there are still consequences, mm -hmm. even without the, the, the part Stacy doesn't like where they kill me. <laughs> I don't like it either. I thought oh, she was awesome. Yeah. No, nobody likes it. You're like, Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> But that idea that, you know, he wakes up still having nightmares. Yeah. You know, they're still having to hide. Right. And there are, there are still consequences to our past, but the thing, and he uses his spy skills to find mm -hmm. Marie. But again, going back, I think to that idea of that, I want to be amazing at something. He sets aside sort of the amazing skills and apparently they open some sort of like surf mm -hmm. village cafe or something which is probably again is like wait i'm really good at this killing spying you know espionage stuff but i'm setting that aside because that's not who i want to be right. anymore even though those skills are still you know he still runs he still practices he's still sharp because he knows he might need them again right. sometime that's true so those skills um are, you know, based on our relationship with God, and we have to um, arm ourselves with the weapons of the Word. And you think of, you know, Jesus when he was tempted by Satan. It's this really interesting interaction between him and Satan, because, you know, you know from the beginning, you have to ask yourself, you know, why is Sa Satan tempting God to begin with? You know, does yeah. he even think he's got a shot to, you know, get him to sin. This is crazy. But, you know, Jesus was human. He had that humanity built in him. I think 
Satan was trying to appeal to that human side uh, of his nature and get him to stumble. Because if he if he did right in that moment, oh my gosh, can you imagine like the ramifications that would happen if Jesus were to give in to that temptation? But he didn't. So that was necessary at that moment, I think, um, in the scriptures. But we have to arm ourselves because Jesus at that moment when he's um, being tempted, he just, all he does is he uses the word of God to um, defend, you know, against Satan at that moment. And those words from, you know, the scriptures that we read today are our weapons and they have to be our weapons against, you know, whatever Satan throws at us. And um, so that has been a conscious effort in my life, you know, and I, I'm terrible at it. I miss reading <laughs> my Bible every day. And the, like, I'm in the middle of Leviticus right now. And um, so we're, we're talking about, you know, we're learning. It's a tough spot. Yeah, it is a very tough spot. You know, there's all these sacrifices and all this stuff. And like, so, and I, so sweaters for two high prices straight to jail. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's like this, you know, I have to pray and ask God, show me what's what you have for me in this passage today. And oftentimes I close the Bible and I kind of just look off and I'm like, well, <laughs> maybe he'll show me something later. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's still important because God does every day. He brings up something that I read and he's like, see, this is, this is why it's in here. This is why you read this. This is how it's going to secure you against the enemy on a daily basis. And you have to use these things every day. Well, and it's really interesting that what the enemy, what Satan attacked was his identity. Mm -hmm if you are the son of God. Ooh. Yeah. But Jesus had been secure in that because, you know, I mean, I'm not sure the exact chronolo chronology of the mm -hmm. thing, but just prior was Jesus' baptism where he hears the validating words of the right. Father, where we see the Trinity appear in the Bible for like one of the only times, it might be the only time where we see the Spirit descending, we hear the Father's voice and we see Jesus in the river. And he said, this is my son whom mm -hmm. I love. And because of his identity, because he knew who he was, as well as who he was becoming, where he was Sorry. going, he was able to thwart the the attacks and the questions and the doubts and the, whatever you want to call it of the enemy yeah. as they as he flung the as he attacked him. Right. Any final thoughts? Oh, man, I feel like we covered it all. Yeah, we did. I you know I just got to say too that. <laughs> You know, we, we do, we, we can find a lot of parallels in the born identity with our spiritual walk. And I think we can have a lot of takeaways from that. Um, I think it was interesting because we just recently, recently rewatched the movie. Um, and before we did, we prayed and we asked God to show us mm. some things from the movie. And wow, you know, what a perspective change if you're able to walk like that on a daily basis through life, you know, even when you're watching movies and stuff that there, there's some, you know, shows and movies out there that I don't think I, I just can't, I can't watch this. This is not going to help me with my spiritual walk in any way. Um, but yeah. with that perspective in mind, when we go out throughout life, you know, and asking God to show us things in the things that we do, even entertainment, um, 
is really powerful. And I, I think that's cool. But also the fact that, you know, The Born Identity is just a cool movie too, you know, and, and maybe even without those parallels, those spiritual parallels, it's just a fun movie to watch too. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it the is. soundtrack. I'm, I'm oh, actually man. quite shocked because I've been talking to a couple different friends telling them, you know, oh, you know, we're watching this movie. I told them, you know, we're watching a movie tonight, you know, and they're like, oh, what are you watching? A Born Identity, you know, we're, ha- we're going to be on a podcast, you know, interviewing about it. And they're like, oh, I haven't seen that one. And I'm like, man, what? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. Like it's not like it's like just came out. It's yeah, and old. it was. I think and Super. it was a pretty big deal when it came out. I thought it was. Like, yeah. I mean, it was Matt Damon. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so Troy and Stacy, thanks for your time um, and your your insight, and uh, it's been super fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, where, like, if people want to find out more about your publishing company and stuff, where can they go for that? Sure. Um, well. If they want to know about me as an author, just go to troyhooker.com um, or, you know, you can find my books on Amazon and, and whatnot. But uh, for publishing purposes and, you know, we're always looking for for new authors, you know, they can submit a manuscript or if they're looking to go the, the self-publishing route. Yep. Uh, it's really awesome to have, you know, that that publishing experience behind you to help you through the process. You can avoid a lot of pitfalls. Um, with it. So if you're looking to self-publish, you can do that. Um, but go to descendantpublishing.com and then up at the top, there's a publish tab, and then you can see all the various options. And we can also do things like, you know, services, single services here and there, like uh, formatting books and um, some design elements and different things like that too, as well. But uh, that's Stacy's favorite part is converting books from print to ebooks. <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to kill me. <laughs> no, I, I I I do do that. It's just it's painful. It's a painful process. <laughs> I don't make enough doing it though. <laughs> so thank you guys uh once again for being on the podcast. And uh, so this has been Paul McDonald and Troy and Stacy Hooker talking about the Born Identity. I uh, hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you join us next time here on the Men at the Movies podcast. Something inside has been awakened. I can no longer be who I was before. But if I am no longer who I was, who am I to be?